You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Nikki. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing okay, but I'm... Smoking a little weed there, are you, buddy? Weed? This is my government-issued crack pipe, Bob. Oh, are those got... now, are those part of Build Back Better? Uh, they're, 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 they are, they're happening. No, they're not happening, but they were going to happen despite Build Back Better. But I got the crack pipe and I got my COVID test. I got all of life's essentials. Uh, uh, explain the crack pipe Brought to me part. by the government. I'm not sure I understand the crack pipe reference. I must have uh, spent a few minutes. There was a Twitter. program. There was a program that the government was going to send safe smoking kits oh, to drug oh, users. Yeah. There was reported on by the Free Beacon and the Free Beacon said it included crack pipes. And then uh, the, of course, the media left to discredit this and say, "Oh no, the crack pipes are only a small part of the program." <laughs> oh no, only uh, they were also amphetamine pipes. They weren't just crack pipes. And and uh, some people said that crack pipes aren't usually included in safe smoking kits. Some people said the crack pipes are the whole point of safe smoking kits because if you have a lip balm and you have a dirty crack pipe, then what's the point? Uh, anyway, it prompted the Biden to, of course, immediately issue saying. Uh, a sort of mealy mouth denial saying no federal funds will go to crack pipes or to reimburse private organizations for crack pipes. That doesn't mean that there aren't crack pipes in the safe smoking kits. And then there was another article in uh, somewhere else, a pretty good article saying that the, 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 the science of do, do crack pipes, uh, you know, help safety supposedly because diseases enter through parched lips or something was pretty thin compared with the science that says diseases are transferred by needles, which is pretty solid. Right. So, yeah, I don't um, get the I don't get the crack pipe thing. I mean, you're gonna be you're gonna have a pipe, right? If you're a crack smoker, you get a pipe. You've got a pipe. And well, it, they share pipes. Oh, so they would ice part of the part of the communal experience. And you know, I'm a I'm a disease person. Would I share a crack pipe? I would never share a crack pipe. But no, um, I never do. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, 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 uh, certainly much safer than sharing a needle. Oh my God. Um, yeah, so anyway, the whole thing is an example of how unbeknownst perhaps to Biden, the left has taken over his government because it bubbles up from below and they're the people running things. So all their programs are being but there's backlash, Mickey, there's backlash against the woke. Surely you're celebrating the three San Francisco board of ed members who were ousted in a recall. I am. Because they spent their I time am. renaming Lincoln and Washington high schools, or at least thinking about it, rather than getting actual work done. And now they've blamed white supremacism. I blame Ron Brownstein, of course. It seems to me that uh, the, Man, I, the idea- he, he was the subtext of your newsletter issue, right? What's yeah, his I, I don't like his, his idea of the coalition of the ascendant. It gave Democrats a false sense of security and encourage them to go left because if the Democrats are going to win anyway, then then you you know all the left has to do is get a majority of that majority, and and they can enact their program. So it encourages them not to win the election by beating the Republicans, but taking over the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party is going to win anyway. Hey, it's all it's all it's all demographic destiny, the coalition of the ascendant. So um. That, that's my argument. So so why didn't you mention his name in that newsletter, Mickey? I, I mean, that uh, was the, I see him was all funny. the time. We, and we each put out issues of our newsletter and mine was like a parody of me and yours was like a parody of yours. Yours was so concise and telegraphic. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? And mine was like, do we have to really read 2,500 well, words? I, li <laughs> I linked to an article he wrote where he it's his term, which he abandoned because he realized it was so horrible, but too late. Uh, but and, do you want uh, to force people to leave your newsletter to figure out what you're talking about? No, that's bad I strategy. Think I he's he I he's in LA. I run into him that's you know, on it. the street. That's I run into him on the street. He's a nice guy. He knows people who I know. Mm -hmm. He shows up at book parties such as they were before the pandemic that I went to. And I felt I I don't know. I felt it was like he would think I was obsessed with him. And also it was probably a, which I am, and it probably um, would be uh, a, a, a more nastier attack if I attacked him by name. And he's not the only one with this idea. I mean, it's, it's the emerging Democratic majority. It's John Judas, it's Roy Chigera, who's now flipped in the other direction. And Judas has admitted 
that that the emerging well, democratic majority they were clearly wrong, emerged. yes uh but and brownstein has sort of backed off it in a more uh less obvious way without admitting he was wrong uh we and, should say and, should i don't know it, it seems like it would be too it would seem like it would be too personal but I, should, I may have made the wrong call i usually make the wrong call should we flesh the idea out just slightly uh in case people don't know what it is basically the judas idea was like if you look at the the democratic coalition this is back like 20 25 years ago uh you know you've got your latinos you got your blacks and so on and you look at the the projected birth rates and everything democrats will be totally dominant 20 years didn't happen uh right and and brownstein called that the coalition of the ascendant which is even worse he was it right was, about uh, the coalition part was he even was about minorities anyway. uh you know skilled yeah. whites in cities especially skilled women in cities uh and uh uh so it was it was the are whole are you making uh, a phone call as we speak no i'm trying to call up the actual definition oh of coalition to do but um, um it, anyway so, uh, it was um it was uh and, and it was it failed because it didn't show up it was obnoxious because the non-ascendant groups like unskilled whites and rural people uh knew that they were being sneered at because they were non-ascendant and they voted for Trump. Uh, so uh, it, it sort of encouraged identity politics because it depended on Latinos and Blacks voting against Latinos and Blacks, not just as ordinary Americans who might be care about what happened to their country. Uh, it um, it encouraged sort of mis misjudgments because the idea that Democrats were always going to win encouraged, for example, the most obvious example, encouraged Ruth Bader Ginsburg to de delay her retirement until Hillary, who was the inevitable winner, could appoint her successor. That didn't work out, but it also encouraged Democrats to pass a lot of bills where an action had to be taken in the future, like Obamacare had to be shored up on the grounds that, uh, you know, well, of course the Democrats are gonna be in power, so we're gonna be able to shore them up. No, you're not. Um, and uh, it, it encourages, even now, the, the Build Back Better plan has a lot of one-year bills on the on, passed on the assumption that the Democrats are going to be in power in two years and they're going to be able to extend them. So they're going to have insane. to renew. So if they don't renew the crack pipe thing, it's like no more crack pipes. Yeah, I mean, I might not get my crack. But this now, crack is pipe your view that forever. it's like it's fine to have a crack pipe tax credit so long as it's not refundable? <laughs> um, yes, there has to be a work test for the crack pipe. If you can. Yeah. If you can smoke the crack and go to work, uh, no problem. God bless you. Um, uh, <laughs> so are you not excited about, like, this San Francisco recall? So when I saw it, I, I thought, okay, get, tell me, you know, mention this on the podcast. Mick will be excited. And then a couple of days later, I saw a newspaper article uh, saying this is a trend, citing this and two other things, which I now forget. But anyway, it was a it was either the Washington Post or the New York Times uh, saying there is there is backlash about wokeism. Uh, well, one of them was probably the the San Francisco mayor's line on police stuff, right? Uh, well, there are a bunch of polls against defund the police was part of it. Minneapolis, I think, and some other city. There are anyway. a bunch of polls showing that the cultural issues are toxic for Democrats and that they're in deep, deep trouble. Uh, and guessed. so this, this has now become the conventional wisdom. And I think it's right that the the uh, the uh, all this all this wokeness has been toxic for the Democrats and may lead them to a big defeat in November, leavened only by the fact that they're only 35 to 40 competitive seats. Uh, now, in a wave election, they could win some non-competitive seats, too. But uh you know, it's um, it's looking very bad for the Democrats, and they have a maybe they have a few months to to correct uh, correct the course, but uh, they don't seem to be in any mood to. Uh, well, but so, the premise yeah, of this I'm, article was no, you are seeing well. Uh, they didn't mention a lot of congressional issues, I guess, right. I, but it was I'm a lot of local Congress. stuff, a lot of mayors and board of ed. Yeah, I'm talking about a lot. Of, I'm talking about Congress, and uh, presumably they 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 will you know, do something, but, uh, you know, it's weird. I got all these emails saying, you know, oh, the progressives aren't the problem. You know, they were willing to go along. That's not, not my, with build back better. If it was pared down, that's not my recollection. And now it's cl pretty clear that the, the progressives to the extent that they are woke 
are, are, are a big problem for the Democrats. But, you know, as far as Congress goes, a lot of these people in Congress probably haven't done that much uh, publicly to align themselves with this stuff. I mean, you know, half of America thinks Joe Biden has uh, at some point said defund the police. I don't think he's ever uttered the phrase. He never, never signed on to that. Crack pipes. I know you're showing us the crack pipe. But uh, yes, you're right. They're getting tarred with it. And many of them don't believe it. Many of them think it's crap, but they've gone along. They haven't dared challenge right. uh, the, the wokeism. That's the problem. And Biden Biden has not explicitly in, in a sister soldier like fashion or the way Eric Adams here of New York would have challenged them, challenged the wokeness. Yeah. Uh, when he's not going along with the wokeness. Um, so, uh, it, yes, it warned my aging neoliberal baby boomers heart. Now, meanwhile, uh, until, the, until until Gen Z takes over and wipes out all of us. Uh, I encourage that. Good development. They couldn't possibly do worse. I mean, really, we need upheaval. Worse than what? Than the millennials? Than we've done. Then then things are being done. Don't be silly. Uh, you know, I, I, I child poverty was at its lowest level ever in 2019. Thanks. Thanks I would partly claim, to programs you oppose to the boomers welfare reform. Uh, uh, the e household income was at, it was soaring in 2019 uh, before the before the pandemic. Uh, if you want to look at why people like Trump, despite the fact that he's a crazy man, look at that chart. Uh, so I, I no, I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm not. Uh, we're not at war. Now speaking not, of Trump, I don't think the, I don't think the boomers. Are, there's a there's a slate pitch, Bob. The boomers aren't so bad. Oh, yeah. We should talk we'll about the that slate pitches. in the paragraph. Okay, if, if not here, we should talk about the slate pitch piece. There was a piece about about, uh, about slate, about the the alleged demise of slate. And then uh, Matt Iglesias did a slate pitch piece. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm, I interrupted you. Sorry. Oh, I don't know. I, what I was going to say when you mentioned Trump was, uh, meanwhile, it sounds like uh, Mike Pence um, has shown about as much courage as he's going to show for a while because he kind of uh, you know, after after taking clear issue with Trump on the January 6th issue, he apparently I just read the headline. I read the piece, but it says Pence defends RNC's January 6th resolution. That's the res that's the resolution depicting the uh, the January 6th writers as engaging only in legitimate political discourse. Um, so it sounds like he it didn't he say only, it didn't say only, but it, it, it left the inference that they were all. Legitimate. Well, anyway, uh, Pence is now defending it, which looks like a little bit of a, a walk back from attack. his attack. Attack, yeah. yes. It shows. It shows that he wants to have a political future, despite well, all that. Well, but it also, but, by the same token, it, it, it's a, it's an indicator of what you need to do to have a political future, at least in his right. reckoning, and there, that's a little disturbing. There, um, there is one sort of strained reading of the RNC resolution that says they're talking about the people who were engaged in legitimate uh, protests and were are still being subpoenaed. And I, you know, I don't think they're being charged. It's a little of a weak case, but uh, there, 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 there probably are some people who sort of wandered in who are being swept up in this. And uh, oh, oh. so it, 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 it's not a completely insane position, but it's crazy to think that the vast bulk of the people being charged were just legitimate protesters i think uh he, i agree he um but there was a poll this was another data point there was a poll this is a data point in the in the trump is fading uh list which which uh a poll showing that uh more more republicans agreed with pence than with trump uh but it was phrased very badly it, it was phrased do you agree that pence had the power to overturn the results of the election. And of course, Trump was claiming he wasn't asking Pence to overturn the results of the election. Right. He was asking him to send specific state uh, electors back to the states for some sort of process. Right. Um, so, uh, but so, but it's still, it's still you would expect if the party was really Trumpy, they would have said Pence was wrong and they didn't. So, um, there, there, there. The evidence that the wokeism is killing the Democrats is a lot stronger than the evidence that Trump is losing favor among Republicans. But there is some evidence of the latter. That he's also made some endorsements that are turning out not to be so great. There's pushback against the endorsements. Uh, you know, a lot of the some of the endorsements I, I learned are, are there's this sort of Kushner group and they're Kushner's buddies. They're not really MAGA types. 
and the MAGA types aren't taking it lying down. They're they're they, they don't care. They're pushing back. So, um, uh, meanwhile, truckers, with where, where do Candace the truckers? Owens. Where do the truckers figure in? Well, the, the, the truckers are very interesting because, um, uh, well, first there's this big there's this big convoy in Canada, and instead of yes, we've heard uh, about instead that. of arresting them, and and you know and taking away their trucks and clearing the streets. That would be too much of a problem. The government of Canada, led by Christopher Friedland, who seems to me like a mediocre guest on the McLaughlin Group only a few years ago. Wait, what is she? The is finance, she attorney general or something or what? what finance minister. Finance and minister? And they've gone the Chinese route and they're like, they're like without due process, uh, freezing the bank accounts of people. Uh, it's it's very Orwellian. Uh, and But luckily, the, the old fashioned police tactics seem to be working and the police chief is saying, Okay, you guys got to go, and they're going even as we speak. So yeah. uh, that's happening. The question is, will it be replicated in the United States? My friend John Ellis thinks it will because uh, it's such a great news story for Fox. They can cover it every day. The mm -hmm. truckers are here. They've reached Barstow. They've reached Gallup, New Mexico. They've reached Oklahoma that's City. That's a good point. Don't forget Winona. Here is our correspondent on the you know on the scene. Uh, and, uh, and God, so, I shudder to think what Steve Bannon's podcast is like. He's yeah, probably doing so, it from a truck. I think no, because the cause, if you, there was a Michelle Goldberg piece where she interviewed all of these, a lot of people, and, you know, you would think it would have something to do with Wexa, the, 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 the secession movement among the Western provinces. All the people she interested just didn't like the vax. They were like ordinary people who didn't want like the vax mandates mm -hmm. and those are those are disappearing in the United States. So what's going to be the animating cause uh, of a convoy if the vax mandates are, are, are going away? And the and the well, you can say the same away. thing about the Tea Party, right? Their original grievance had to do with mortgage forgiveness or something. Right. But it became a whole thing, a whole broad right wing thing. Right. But Obama was still in power and he was still pushing through Obamacare. Well, Biden's and, still kind of in power, as I recall. Right, but he's but the man, the COVID part is I, I, it's not really a protest against Biden. It's a protest against. Well, I think I the, first of all, am I right that the original protest was you against right. an American vax mandate on truckers entering the United States? I think it was. In any event, let me just say I think this. it was a, Can a Canadian mandate against truckers who went to the United States and came back. Uh, well, you know, anyway. one thing I heard the other day, first of all, the, the, whatever organizations uh, purport to represent these truckers, some of them are doing crowdfunding. And uh, I heard that some of them are coming up with millions and millions of dollars. And at least half of that money in the one case I heard about was coming from the United States. So I believe that. But that, yeah, well, know, that, the, there you have your transnational, yeah. you know, Trumpist. Right. No, you could be right. You're with Ellis. He's not, he, he, you know, it's happening all over the world. And, and Ellis goes on to make the point that if if it, if a big convoy goes across the country and reaches Washington and commits violence like the January 6th uh, demonstrators did, that's the one thing that could lose the election for Republicans and flip it for the Democrats. If there's a backlash huh. to that and people think the Republicans are crazy, that's the way uh, the Republicans could snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So, so maybe I so, should become a false flag trucker. Organize you should a get a false truck. flag truck. They're not cheap these days. I bet there's supply chain problems. Like, it, like if I too. put on a, a MAGA hat, it would be credible, right? You'd buy it, right? Like if you saw me well, in a truck, I've got the MAGA hat on. You gotta, you're you like, gotta, yeah, that's a, that's a Trump supporter. You got to undo the ponytail, I think, and have your hair that's, coming I, there's, out the there's back. A, no, there's a horseshoe theory about ponytails. Uh, right. I, I think I think I can... In fact, that could be the big, the distinctive imprint I put on the movement. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but then you have to commit violence, and then you go to jail. So, I, I Mickey, there are things you don't know about that. my past. Okay, let's just say it is not totally beyond imagining to those who know me. They um, so they don't involve beating up David Remnick or something like that. No, no. Uh, okay. I was no. It's things I shouldn't talk about, except maybe in the parrot room. <laughs> I could talk um, about my violent past. It, so, um, yeah, go so, ahead. So, no, so, no, you go ahead. So, we've talked about it. Well, go this ahead. Ukraine thing is kind of on the, yeah, I mean, I feel a little better now that we've sent Kamala Harris over to defuse the situation. 
That's a very calming. That's had a very calming effect. Yeah, she had wrapped up the border control project apparently. So uh, the go ahead. But this is starting to look like getting a little real. Uh, I mean, you know, the uh, in the Donbass, you know, the number of if you look at a graph, which people can probably find in today's issue of the Non-Zero Newsletter, a graph of uh, reported violations of the ceasefire in the Donbass, reported by the Ukrainian government, it was like a huge spike yesterday. You would, yeah, you would think, just looking at it, that uh, Putin is waiting until the Olympics are over, and then he's going to have. You know, do something. And yeah, but isn't that so, like tomorrow or something? When do they end? Sunday, okay. Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but uh, even in the way we've set it up, you know, we've talked about this. It initially made sense. You know, we dare you to prove us wrong and not invade. But now they've been predicting he's going to invade for so long that he looks like a complete wuss if he doesn't invade. So I think he's got to do something. Uh, oh, I don't know. He's, he probably enjoys making Biden wrong every day. I mean, he might enjoy that for quite a while. If Biden, the question is, how long can Biden, you know, and his administration keep saying it's happening tomorrow? You know, it's like. But it's, the, at, at, at some point, the uh, I don't know if the ground is ever thawed, but at some point, the ground rethaws that the tanks get bogged down. And it's very hard to keep an army of 150,000 in the field at battle readiness for a very long time. Now, maybe they can, but- um, Well, they're in Russia. I... It's not like they're in a foreign country. You know, Russia has roads. They have, you know, it's, it's. I I, I think they can keep a fair a fair mm-hmm. number of them. I, I wanted to read you what Ann Applebaum thinks we should tell them and see what you think of it. <laughs> I can tell uh, you what this I is think in, this is the, It's actually kind of interesting because as we as we've discussed, the problem of the neocons is none of them really want to send U.S. troops, so they're not they're not you know true Iraq style Iraq war style. Well, they don't want to advocate it. That may be just because they know it's a non-starter. I I don't know whether how many of them would like to so, in their heart of hearts. But so go ahead. Th- so this is so the, they're sort of looking for ways to be firmer than the wimps. And um, here's what she says they should say. Uh, uh, Tension we, is have, mounting. we have told Lavrov instead that an invasion of Ukraine will carry very, very high costs, mm-hmm. higher than he has ever imagined. We are now planning to cut off Russian gas exports completely. Europe will find energy supplies somewhere else. We are now preparing to assist the Ukrainian resistance for a decade, if need be. We are quadrupling our support for the Russian opposition and for Russian media too. We want to make sure that the Russians will start hearing the truth about this invasion and as loudly as possible. And if you want to do regime change in Ukraine, we'll get to work on regime change in Russia. She ends with a flourish. (laughs) Yeah, that was, she saved the best part for last. We will depose you. Um, So she's saying we should say all that now as a warning. Yes, this is her her model speech for what, uh, you know, there was this British woman who went over and was ineffectual and was mocked by Lavrov. And she said, this is what uh, this is what uh, she would have said instead. Um, Uh, You know, I, I mean, if you actually want to do all that stuff and think that that will be a good idea, fine, because it's not going to work as a warning. I mean, he's going to. Uh, he's he's going to do something in Ukraine so long as we refuse to uh, respond to even one of his several demands. I mean, if we're not even willing to discuss them with him, apparently. And uh, so he's going to do something. So first of all, it's not like this will work. You know, he right. has he has to do something. And the question is, no, I don't think, you know, it's funny how many people are talking about this as if it's binary. And if he does invade, Troops will be in Kiev. I don't think Russian troops are going to be in Kiev. I don't think he's going to try to you've occupy predicted, it. Yeah. You've predicted that, and I'm waiting for you to be proved wrong. So well, I, can I, I may be. There may be something it. I don't understand, but he, he hasn't. The funny thing is that uh, Putin has not been one to miscalculate as a rule. He's he's pushed, you know, he's been kind of edgy, but he's never done anything manifestly stupid. I think this would be stupid. Now, also, there's so much short of that that he can do that everyone will call 
invasion. I mean, uh, you know, he can even do it without Russian troops, in which case maybe he'll be claiming it was an invasion. But, you know, I think the minimum thing he'll do if we continue to just not even be willing to discuss the thing in what he considers a serious way is stuff in the Donbass. I, I gather the borders uh, of the separatists have not yet been pushed all the way to the edge of those provinces. I suspect that will happen. That alone could get pretty, uh, pretty bloody uh, if, if the Ukrainians want to really contest it. I think that's the minimum you'll see. Uh, there may or may not be really conspicuous Russian involvement, but there could be. Could be bombs and tanks and, and tro Russian troops. Um, could also be this land bridge thing between Crimea and the Donbass, although uh, there is an actual bridge now from Crimea to Russia. Putin built it. It's 12 miles long across a waterway. So that's doesn't seem completely essential. But um, but, but I there's a, and then there's a whole gradation of things he can do. He can torment them with cyber attacks. He can, you know, I, I just uh, but I don't see him putting troops in Kiev. I, I do not. And I don't think he can engineer, uh, really orchestrate regime change, you know, bring about the kind of regime he wants without troops in Kiev. I, I just don't, I, I'm not an expert on Ukrainian politics. Now he can, so he can throw this place into chaos. You know, you can have your operatives be bombing places in Kiev and shit, you know, just bombs going off and stuff. Right. You can right. sow chaos, but I don't, I don't see him doing regime change. Um, yeah. it, there, first, the, the Ann Applebaum threat for regime change in Russia is exactly the sort of thing that will unify the Russian people behind Putin, right? Or am I wrong? Seems well, like a miscalculation. The, the, you know, I'm not an expert on on Russian opinion. I, I don't know. Uh, probably, yes. I mean, that, that tends to be the case. But also, what the fuck is she talking about? They have nuclear weapons. What, what kind of regime change is she talking about? <laughs> I assume I assume she's talking about uh, uh, I don't know some something like what happened in Ukraine where there are a bunch of protesters and we we claim they're the majority and recognize their government instead of Putin's government. Uh, well, that was a little easier to do in Ukraine than it would be to yeah. do in Russia. The um, it seems like very difficult to do. The other thing is that the German guy has actually hinted at an off-ramp that involved a NATO concession. And so it's, I don't think we're that far away. I think we're closer than you're letting well, on. Well, you'd hope, I mean, well, the other thing is, I mean, uh, some Ukrainians themselves, prominent Ukrainians, I forget whether Zelensky teased this, but somebody who mattered did, said something like, well, we may have to do without NATO membership and kind of walked it back. I, I think this is a weird way to do it. I, I don't. I don't think you know. I mean, look. If you're serious about it, figure out how you're going to give them the reassurance. Well, talk to him privately. Get the deal done. And well, but the and, I, but the ideal is that the Germans force it down our throats. That makes it look like more of a concession. That that is the way. Yeah. To do I, it. Look, I mean, remember, NATO can only do things by 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 un, unanimous vote. Right. In principle, any NATO member could say. We will never let Ukraine really? in. Really? So Germany yeah. could just say, we don't care what the United States says. We're never letting Ukraine in. Yeah, but of course, all of these Putin governments wins. change, you know, and that's, yeah, and right, so right. can you trust them? But but in a way, that's true of uh, anything Putin's going to get on paper. Right. I mean, the, the other path to it would be this Minsk accord that actually was agreed to, uh, you know, involving by Ukraine, involving the future status of the two provinces, Ukraine is now, I think, uh, not so wild about it and is accused of not uh, of basically reneging on the deal. But if, if Ukraine is willing to give up uh, NATO membership, the way they can do it with nobody admitting it's actually happening is to, uh, I, there, you know, part of the idea behind Minsk from Russia's point of view, I, I don't, I don't think this is explicit in Minsk yet, but part of the idea was. You give these two, you know, uh, whatever Donetsk and Luhansk or whatever, those two provinces in the, in the Donbass, enough autonomy that they could veto membership in NATO. OK, so you can uh, if that's not explicit, you could say, let's renegotiate Minsk. You make it pretty clear that individual provinces can veto membership in future alliances and then you're done. And, and Ukraine didn't have to technically walk back their position and NATO didn't. I mean, there are various ways to do this, 
But I have not seen signs. Uh, it seems to me like one of the worst ways is for NATO demand that, that, that Ukraine publicly just kind of chicken out. I don't know. Uh, but well, are they doing that? Are they? I, well, no. were, like I said, there were these signs. I mean, they, I forget who that, said it. But that wasn't in response to a NATO demand. That was just them chickening out and helping helping ease us, nudge us in the right direction. Who knows what was said behind the scenes? But uh, anyway, I, I think, you know, I think right now, uh, you know, Tony Blinken is it imagines uh, when he has time to imagine it that you know he he will well i don't know what's going on in his head i think I, they so think far so good well that's what they think i've said this before but yeah okay great you've got the europeans on board maybe you've got him in a box but you gotta give him a way out i've said this and, there, and right and, well and, presumably he's thought about this well it sure isn't very obvious i mean right. maybe there's a lot being said that we don't know about but uh I'm but there. I will say that if 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 it turns out that we were not willing to give up future NATO membership for Ukraine and there is a war that becomes a big war, I don't think future historians will be kind yeah. to Tony Blinken. I mean, they they will not be able to believe you, that we did this. Usually when politicians miscalculate, it's because they worry that there'll be domestic opposition if they're not tough enough. So in Vietnam, Johnson was always worried that he would yeah. seem not tough. There, there is no domestic really movement to be tough with Ukraine. It's just the blob. Well, the, they, the blob, they see the blob as being a significant thing. I mean, they, they feel the heat of the blob clearly. Not a, if you're a politician, you you don't think the blob is significant. How many votes does the blob? Well, first have? of all, these guys are in the blob. Okay, it's not like they they rag, it's not like they president. secretly agree with me. Blinken is not president. Biden is president. He's a politician. He's yeah, in well, the blob too, of course. Well, but. I again, I I think uh, I don't know to what extent he's calling the shots. I I think you know the older you get and the less let's say cognitively on top of things you get, the more vulnerable you are to staffers who want to make policy. And there's, these guys know him very well, and they would know how to do it. There's uh there's new evidence to show that old people don't get slower; they just get more cautious, Bob. Well, they do get more cautious. Uh, so um. I've gotten. I think it's bullshit. I've gotten slower. So, oh, they they who said? Who am I speaking to, please? <laughs> Wait, did they seriously say you don't get slower? Yeah, <laughs> that, there's a study that just I just read today. Um, I mean, Mickey, so, what people don't realize is the 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 recording they get of our podcast is already at two point five times the right, actual exactly. speed. This is we 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 speak like it's like one fifth or something. Right. See, I can't um, even do the math. That's another good example. And I had uh, more time than you, it seems to do it. Anyway. Um, I One thing that struck me is all the people who are sort of opposed the original sin, which is, uh, that I read, which is expanding NATO despite, uh, you know, George W. Bush expanding NATO, despite the objections of George Kennan and Daniel Moynihan and a bunch of eminent people thought it was a well, terrible idea. Those objections idea. were when Clinton initiated, you know, started the initial expansion. That's oh, really? Kennedy, okay. Then Bush fatefully strong-armed the Europeans into pledging future membership to Ukraine right. and Georgia. And anyway, they all seem to say that it's defense contractors were leading the charge to expand NATO. Yeah. And that's always seemed to be the crudest radical theory of the Vietnam War, that it was all the defense contractors doing. It wasn't and now just we had a, now it's become practically conventional wisdom on the right. I mean, these are these are these are, mainly these are anti-interventionists on the right that I'm reading, like Scott McConnell and Ann Coulter, and they're all saying, uh, you know, look look for the Lockheed leadership. Apparently, yeah. the head of the head of the committee to expand NATO was from Lockheed. He was Bruce um, Jackson, so, who so, later, uh, by the way, moved in a somewhat sensible direction. He he, he says less crazy stuff lately. But it, he, it just seemed good. Uh, he was way also, too crude and Marxist. But he was also, uh, I, I hear from uh, Richard Hanania, he said this on my podcast, this Bruce Jackson guy was also very much involved in the Project for a New American Century and funding that, which, you know, that was the Crystal Kagan thing that helped right. get us into the Iraq war. I mean, Bruce Jackson is a is a non-trivial figure, but go ahead. 
but okay, let's just see, 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 seeing this all as the doing of evil defense contractors seems very crude, but everybody believes it, and it could be true. But isn't only that? I mean, there are there are the ethnic lobbies, the Eastern Europe. They're the first of all, they're the voters in the Midwest, but also there is now a Ukrainian lobby, like money coming from Ukraine to influence our policy. Does that? Uh, and um, you know, and then there's. I, I don't I don't understand. I would love to know what was really going on in Clinton's head. I would love to know. And somebody I mean, should tell us. In in Vietnam, Johnson was worried that if you see it to be a wimp, a Republican candidate, anti-communist like Ronald Reagan would come along and say, this guy is insufficiently anti-communist and beat him. Nothing equivalent to that is going to happen if Biden wimps out in Ukraine. Nobody's going to rise up and say, you weren't tough enough on Ukraine. It's just not going to happen. Well, some certainly people not Trump is the opposition. I mean, Trump is an opportunist. He'll probably try, but no, but some would try, uh, you know, um, Marco Rubio. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Wouldn't he? I, I don't know what he's been saying, but Cottonwood. Yeah. Tom Cotton. Might. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Clinton, I mean, the thing about Democrats is. For so long, Republicans did this to them, you know, said that Democrats weren't man enough, that it's almost just a reflex. Oh, I have to look a little tougher than I actually feel, I think. That may have been going on in Clinton. Now, now with Bush, I'd love to know what 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 the deal was in 2008, because Putin, I think, had had just not long ago delivered this speech that got everybody's attention where he said enough is enough. You know, you guys have been doing this shit too long. You're invading countries. You're not complying with international law. You're expanding NATO. I'm getting super fucking pissed off. And up until then, by the way, Putin had done none of the shit that we blame him for now. He hadn't he hadn't monkeyed around in Georgia or anywhere else beyond his borders. And he he, he laid down a, a very clear warning. And, and I think it's after that that Bush said, oh, surely you don't mean it. Bush was, a, tr I think, a true believer. Look at know. look at his second inaugural speech, which well, alarmed well, so, a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, but this was well after that. This was 2008. Supposedly, Bush became in some ways disenchanted with the neocons, but he's got a funny way of showing it. I don't know. Um, it's weird how there, the, the, um, I, there, there's, there's been a series of stories, one in Business Insider, one in the Wall Street Journal just today, and one in the Washington Post, all about if you, you know, they're, they're, they're the sort of all about how the Bush administration really is doing these wonderful things. There's a, these tiger teams that are running through the scenarios, uh, in Ukraine. There are, you know, he's reimagined capital cabinet government the cabinet secretaries are having lunch with ron klein bob so right. did you, i think you just said the bush administration and you meant the I, I, meant, I meant the, i meant the biden administration okay. sorry uh and, and uh the 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 uh the wall street journal had one they're doing it so much better than afghanistan they've learned all the lessons and uh these are, they're sort of running a victory lap before the victory and uh you know it's like it's like if you did re if you uh you know, did a TikTok of the Cuban Missile Crisis before we'd actually resolved the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. We don't know if we're going to win this. And um, it, it, it's also the sort of story that that reporters write at, on the first month of the administration to grease the sources, to suck up to the sources in the administration. So the, the uh, it, it's a little like the, the, the Bush, the Biden administration reset has become uh, grease us again. OK, we, maybe we'll tell you something. <laughs> you know, uh, but write some source greasers and they're, and they're getting them. Uh, and the other thing is the way they're redoing the government is all designed, if you read it closely, to work around the fact that Biden can't do very much. So he's reinventing cabinet government to have the cabinet go out and sell his policies because he's 80 years old and he ain't going to go out and sell his policies. Uh, or the cabinet lobbies Congress because he ain't going to lobby Congress. Uh, or, you know, or they run through these scenarios because, you know, they're not going to run through the scenarios with him. They have to present him with a fait accompli. Uh, so it's it's sort of eliminating, it's sort of skirting the elephant in the room, which is that Biden isn't 100 percent. Grease again is a great phrase. You should do something with that, like a name of an album. Is your guitar there? Did you, do you have no, your guitar? No, not here. Grease us, grease us again. again. I, call it the, I call it the great regreasing, but grease us again. Now, the great regreasing is the name of your book. I mean, I do see a unified <laughs> brand here, a unified chaos brand. Where, uh, but I think the the song and album are grease us again. Uh, the name of the book <laughs> is the great regreasing. Uh, there's already a movie called Grease. It can't you can't take that. Okay. Um, 
I'm writing this down. You're my you're my guru here. I mean, I I tell you, branding is just kind of a real strong point of mine, as you know. <laughs> I've only got eleven different brands, and I can remember at least three of them. Every uh, week, I, every week, I so I got to read what Bob's written. Do I go to Non-Zero News or the Earth League or the Apocalypse Aversion Project? Wait I don't a second. know. Are they all different things? Wait a second. First of all, if you subscribe to the Non-Zero Newsletter, you will get the Non-Zero Newsletter at least twice a week. And one of them will be called the Earthling because that's the Friday thing. But it's not oh, okay. like you have to go to different places. They're both on Substack. That assumes I open my email. Right. Or, or that you are truthful in caring what I have to say in claiming. No, that. I know I'm going to re read it once a week when I'm preparing for the show. Is that what you do? Did you so? Did you uh, think my uh, Joe Rogan Spotify piece was great? Although it could have been one tenth its length, you didn't get to the end. I thought you so long. you phrased it more pithily on our show. Well, which of course, is that Spotify is the is the place that wants to strangle speech by becoming a monopoly of podcasts. So it's ironic. But uh, just as I just as we went to tape, um, I saw something that Rogan has disappeared from Spotify. All his shows, maybe no. maybe not true. No. I mean, okay. unless there's been news, I it didn't lead Drudge. It didn't lead Drudge, and Drudge, I think, would get on it. Although Drudge doesn't, the the secret to Drudge is that he only posts twice a day, yeah, for three hours. So he, if it comes in between, he sometimes wow. misses it. That is old school. Does he really only post twice a day? He, he works like a maniac for four hours twice a day. I'm going to Google Rogan on. And, I mean, he, and he, he asks people who, you know, if something really big breaks, he asks people who futz around with the site, I think. But I think he's been doing it for so how well, wait, possibly? Wait, I'm seeing a tweet that says Noah Shackman is. Yeah, tweeting. the Noah Shackman is the one that I saw. Well, so Rolling Stone, he's now the editor of Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone has got the piece, apparently, that says Joe Rogan's embattled po uh, podcast. That makes no sense because they just defended him. Why would they oh, suddenly wait, take wait. him down now? <laughs> no, they've got a revision. Now the headline says, Joe Rogan's in battle podcast is back on Spotify. Uh, but okay. other shows still absent. I, I, it sounds like okay, maybe they screwed mind. up and they're, and they're kind of walking things Never back. mind. Never mind. Um, now they did take off, you know, like uh, 70 of his shows in, uh, right after his, uh, his N-word apology or at the same time from the archives. Although almost all of those predated his Spotify, the Spotify era. They right. were just in the right. Spotify archives because right. it had bought all the archives. Yeah. So um, on, on other issues, I, I could talk about the Electoral Count Act or I can talk about uh, that Build Back Better is not quite dead. You never, I mean, everybody says it's dead, but like with welfare reform in 60, in 86, everybody said it was dead and then they brought it back and it passed. So it's, um, they always try to bring these things back. Obviously they're gonna try to bring back as much of Build Back Better as they can. So. Yeah, but on the other hand, you always try to imagine things you fear happening. So I'm a little skeptical of your claim that this could actually happen. It always happens. They brought back the, they, they constantly bringing back amnesty. They brought back the uh, Dream Act. Uh, you know, I mean, paranoia is is usually vindicated when it comes to my issues, Bob. Uh, uh, I will anyway, you. Uh, well, let me let me make a let me. Can I that's say that's all I have to say about Build Back Better? Yeah, can I say ahead. a couple of small things before you move on to Electoral Count Act, which won't take very long either? Okay, go ahead. Just uh, there was a kind of a good piece in uh, the Guardian by. Um, Musa Al Garbi, do you know who he is? He was on no, my show no. years ago. Uh, he's kind of um, what is he? Kind of heterodox, but interesting and not right-wing heterodox. It was a piece try. It was a good exercise in cognitive empathy. It was a piece trying to explain why people who don't want to take the vaccine have gotten in that frame of mind, and it was like various things that if you you know if if you're just getting this selection of news, all of which is true. Um, you know, it could lead you to have doubts. But the thing that really I didn't know that seems kind of scandalous to me is that there is a the CDC, Center for Disease Control, has a nonprofit, a foundation. This is as a result of an act of Congress a couple of decades ago or something. And so the big pharmaceuticals can funnel money to it through this, according to him. I mean, that's just huh. fucking asking for trouble. That's so obviously potentially corrupt and it just you know as they say kind of a bad look right i mean this just seems to it's, be scandalous if true it's extremely corporatist also 
in the sense of in the, in the sense that you carefully define in the parent room. Yes. And if people don't want to be confused about what corporatist means, there's only one place to go. In the sense that it, it conceives of society as a body or corpus, and the big boys get uh, undemocratic access to policy. The big boys being the big corporations. But this should stop. This should totally stop if true. Pharmaceutical companies should have no way of getting money to the CDC. And now, um, I, I get, although on the other hand, I guess you could say, look, they can give it to people in Congress who can shape the policy ultimately of government agencies. So the whole thing is corrupt. Why not just why not just well, mainline we, it? Uh, I assume that that was that was from an era of uh, budget deficits when they were looking for any way to pay for government, including like, you know, setting up private yeah, Please because they're afraid to accounts. like they're afraid to tax rich people as usual. Yeah, but right. But it right. is this so is the kind of thing it. when the when the decline and fall of the American Empire is written, this will not be a whole chapter. It'll be a paragraph. This kind of thing, like okay, they no longer had the strength to actually levy taxes, but they wanted big government, so they said, "Well, let's let big companies bribe us." The other the other uh, thing you raised is contributing to Congress and. There was a good article by Josh Krauschauer, I think is his name, about how uh, you know they 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 the the campaign limits of what you can contribute directly to a campaign have sort of been set for years. Meanwhile, there's been inflation. Nobody can run run a campaign only on you know getting contributions, right. even raising them like willy nilly from corporations. So that's why you need these independent expenditures where there aren't limits. You know, Peter Thiel has one for J.D. Vance in Ohio, and there's always some independent ex expenditure because you can't do it any other way. And that's a horrible, uh, that's sort of a bad situation to be in. Not, 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 you would still have the independent expenditures, but the idea that you're, you can't do anything just raising money under the existing, existing, what is 29.50 or something, whatever the limit is now, um, is, is sort of a, a new development, and it, it 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 raises the issue of if these drug companies want to buy congressmen, they might not be able to. They have to set up an independent, uh, you know, independent outfit, and uh, that would be a big stink. I don't know if they have such outfits, so maybe they do. But the idea that you can buy people with campaign contributions, I think, is increasingly obsolete because the campaign contributions are, you know, they're worth two cents now. Um, but then the Peter Thiels are buying the candidates, the people who set well, up. Well, if you're things. worried about money to corrupt, yeah, Peter Thiel. But you know, Peter Thiel is like a Marty Parrots. He has, he's in it for ideology, not for money. Yeah, but he could be the head of a, you know, he, he could be a guy who. Right. You could, could have a guy who. Maker. He could be. Anybody. You could have a guy in his position to be an arms maker. The, the other, as long as we're on Peter Thiel, the other interesting point, is who is funding the Sarah Palin lawsuit. Jack Schaefer wrote a pretty good column saying somebody is. Palin doesn't really seem to be in it. She sort of was going through the motions at her trial. Uh, she didn't seem to be hell-bent for revenge at the time. This is the, the libel so, suit. The that libel she, suit. That she has, in effect, lost because the judge threw it out, right? Well, she's going to appeal. Yeah. So, uh, But she lost it to the in front of the jury, too, which is worse. Oh, did she? But the jury learned while it was deliberating that the judge had thrown it out. So the jury is sort of tainted. Anyway, Schaefer speculates somebody is funding it. Obviously, Peter Thiel is a number one suspect because he funded the suit against Gawker. It seems highly, highly unlikely to me that he would be the person funding Palin's lawsuit. It's just not the sort of thing I think he cares about. Uh, and he, uh, he has, of course, so, funded a secret lawsuit, the Hulk Hogan lawsuit. Right. For one thing, if he funded the lawsuit, they probably would have done a lot better job. Uh, the... Um, the the Hulk Hogan lawsuit was very well litigated. Um, so, um, but somebody is. So um, it's just an in, it's an independent story of who who which rich person or rich company is funding Palin's lawsuit. The uh, Palin was actually pretty funny. The Schaefer's biz example is somebody asked her a tough question and she, as a witness she said objection, <laughs> like and the, and. and they asked her why she said that. She said, oh, I just thought it was funny, <laughs> which it was. Give her some points for being funny. Yeah. Uh, anyway. She had some funny lines in her convention speech. Although she didn't write that. She delivered it. Was written by, it was written by animal rights activist Matthew Scully. Is that right? 
I think so, yeah. Huh. Um, uh, and it was a hell of a speech. It was. Had a scare. Uh, anyway, um, so we've, done, we've dealt with Sarah Palin. So uh, let's see. We're at fifty minutes. We can say a few more things. What electoral uh, electoral count? Act, oh, the that, electoral, it just that's the bad. There's a it, currently a badly worded version of that that lets people s claim that Mike Pence had the power to do the right. I mean, I mean, it's so badly worded that uh, right. The, the electoral count was was came into effect after a disputed election where Congress went through some complicated process of trying to figure out which slates of electors were right, and they eventually punted it to a commission, and they cut some sort of corrupt deal, and so they produced this, this you know, act in, uh, you know, over a century ago that, that sort of dealt with some of the problems but was very vaguely worded. Uh, and uh, the essential problem is that the Constitution appears to grant the states the power to decide how the electors are chosen, which means that you're, you're going to be hamstrung in terms of uh, of dealing with the current threat, which is that Trump is going to control the election apparatus in Georgia and a bunch of other states, and they might send a bad list of electors that are pro-Trump that didn't win uh, to Washington. And, and so how are you going to stop that? You're not going to stop that by denying the vice president the right to throw them out. That's going to go in the opposite direction. So you have to do two things at once. You have to stop the president, vice president from throwing out legitimate electors, and you also have to have some mechanism for getting rid of the illegitimate electors, okay? You have to be able to do both. And Judge Luddick came up, which is what is probably the solution they'll hit on, which is you don't let Congress throw out, make it hard for Congress to throw out electors. So Pence, you know, Pence can't just throw them out. He has to, uh, and, and you raise the number of people who have to object for Congress to, to, to start swinging around, and then you you sick the federal courts on the states, and you somehow say, okay, sure, sure, the Constitution says states have power, but we're going to pass a law sticking, uh, saying the federal courts get to review everything you do and decide whether the winner you proclaim is the winner is a winner, and uh, and what's more, Congress passes a law saying you can't change the procedures after you've set them in state. So if you if you have procedures, they have an election, you can't then throw it out and say, okay, we're having a new procedure. Okay, both those things are constitutionally suspect. Both those latter things, they're, they're the key to making the plan work. And Luddig is a very, very powerful legal presence. He was on the short list for being Supreme Court for decades. Um, and But you, know, you, you might lose, you might lose. They might decide, no, uh, Congress doesn't have the power to tell the states this and the federal courts, don't have the power to intervene in state elections. So uh, we're back to square one in terms of stopping the Trump threat or the mirror image democratic threat if they if they decide to pull the same stunt. So, um, uh, but that's where the state of play is and probably the courts being very pragmatic will approve, say, okay, the constitution says one thing, but you know, it's, it's, it's superseded by the equal protection clause, which was passed later. So Congress is acting under that authority or you know, the, the, the Constitution is, is often wrong, and the courts sort of wink and nod and say, okay, but we're going to patch it. And the Luddig thing is sort of the best patch to come along. But uh, so, yeah, go ahead. It's too, it's too bad it has to be patched. It would be much better if the, con if the Constitution didn't say states have this power, but it does. Well, it says they it says they have the power to, to choose the manner, specify the manner in which. Uh, right, but they, they don't have to chosen. have an election. So no, what they if don't the, have to have an election. The, if the state legislature said the manner in which it, the manner in which the electors will be elected is whoever the hell we want to be electors or electors. Sure, they now, could, they the could say the state legislature yeah. chooses the electors, but yeah. I don't think they could get away in court with, uh, well, certainly in the court of public opinion or in court with making that call after an election, like changing the rules after the election. But they could they, but they could just say before the election, they could say the rules are we have an election and if we approve of the result, those are the electors. They could do that. Right. Yeah, right. and I think the so Constitution intended them to be able to do that. Uh, the the uh, my, my question on the Electoral Count Act is, I mean, I gather that there are, there are prospects for actual legislative reform here, right? An actual new Electoral Count Act could get passed within the next year. Is that wrong? 
it, 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 it's not wrong and it's crazy because they don't have to do it this year. They can wait until after the election and pass it next year. The, the presidential election is not for, you know, three years. Yeah, but Democrats- so why do to, it now? Well, Democrats want to get it done while there are still Democrats controlling Congress. Right, but the Republicans have no incentive to do it now. The only incentive to do it now is Biden has nothing else to accomplish. So they're moving along to something he can accomplish. So we have the Postal Reform Act and we have uh, you know a bunch of other third tier so bits of legislation. So you're saying, uh, that are passing. you're saying it would be smart politics for the moderate Republicans to not get on board with this this year. Well, there's just no driving incentives. I mean, maybe they can get more this year from the Democrats because of the, you say the Democrats. I mean, maybe they may be people who honestly think it would be a better world if we, you know, in a better country, if we didn't have to worry about this kind of shit happening again. And they, and they right. think we can, we're more likely to get it done this year with the Democrats than with my own crazy fucking party so, running the show. Yeah, okay. Sometimes, and sometimes those sort of sincere things actually happen. Usually it, they only happen when there's a deadline uh, looming. But yeah, sometimes that happens. I mean, I can imagine several, uh, you know, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, genuinely No, and they're thinking, part of the group. I'm sure they do. I'm yeah. sure they think we're, they're generally doing good, but uh, that's usually insufficient to produce an actual result. So you're yeah. you're even more cynical than I am. Is that what you're saying? I just I'm ama I'd be amazed if they actually get it done when they don't have to get it done. Oh, that's a uh, different kind of cynicism. Uh, that, that, um, what can I say? Um, P.J. O'Rourke died, which is a yeah. Huge a lot of tragedy. people died. Uh, uh, the we we never talked about Todd Gitlin who died a couple of weeks ago. Walter Dellinger died. You probably knew him or knew of him, right? The law professor. No, I didn't know of him and I always resented him. But, and then I heard him talking. He was such a nice man. And I think I may even have interviewed him. You mean, yeah. I may even have interviewed him and he was such a wonderful man that I completely changed well, my opinion of him. We can save whoever we don't cover for the pair room. What do you want? You want to talk about PJ O'Rourke? Jim Angle, a veteran newscaster who I, NPR type, also died. He was a great guy. Um, P.J. O'Rourke just is proving he was genuinely funny and he was and important and he was and he, he's pro sort of proving the iron law of humor and obituaries. If they say somebody's funny and then they quote from him, what they quote will not be funny. Uh, and even with P.J. O'Rourke, who was hilarious there, that, that's sort of been the rule. Do you, have a, do you have a not funny line they quoted well, as being funny? No, but I, I, I just remember him giving a talk. And he's saying the, the problem with uh, politics, and he was a conservative, he was a Republican, remember? Mm -hmm. The Democrats are the scum of politics, but the Republicans are the scum of business. <laughs> That's worse. Uh, and that was funny, and it was against his, you know, against his uh, his political affiliation, which made it even funnier. He, 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 uh, you know, he, he was genuinely funny, and he, you know. He was uh, funny. Got to marry one of the most beautiful women in the world. I'm, I wasn't up on that part. That's that's definitely parrot room material. We want to go no further into that. Anyway, um, it's it, it is sad, and he's a big deal. So, um, okay. And it, there was also the time he was he was in Afghanistan typing in his computer, and the Taliban came on him and decided he must be Salman Rushdie <laughs> because that's like, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they're only, there's only like one guy with a computer typing in, and that's what had to be Salman Rushdie. Almost, Wait, he, he, he wrote that? That's what he said. That's what he now, wrote. I don't I'm know if it was actually true. I'm starting to wonder about the veracity okay. factor here, Mickey. Um, um, could have been a uh, mistranslation. Like they, they mentioned Salman Rushdie's name and he conveniently could have been assumed they had said, you are I, Salman Rushdie, are you not? I would be shocked if he was embellishing. Um, uh, so we're at we're at uh, fifty nine point five minutes. Okay. Um, well, there are a whole bunch of other things to talk about. Well, good but, um, because there's a whole parrot room in which to talk about them. What are they? Uh, I thought that this was going to be the week when, like, we what's the opposite of the singularity when we face the non non hilarity when we had like nothing to talk about the void. It did seem like a week, a week, week as, yeah. Uh, uh, there's a settlement in the Epstein suit. Uh, oh. There well, is- yeah. uh, You'd settle too if you were him. Uh, there, well, it's, it's more significant than that, I think. Okay. There's Matty Glacius and the demise of the slate pitch. Yep. There's uh, uh, left and right are sort of coalescing on one police reform that everybody agrees should happen. 
Okay. Uh, and uh, there's the great regreasing, but we just covered that. Grease me again, baby. Maybe there isn't enough. Grease me again. There's the rise of Zamour in France. Oh, you're you're he's uh, your man, right? Well, I predicted that he would do well, uh, uh, and he is. Uh, there's uh, okay. That's a lot of stuff. How, how scared are people of crime of crime in big cities? Okay, let's don't overpromise now. Okay. Uh, uh, that seems kind of weak. We but have that's to leave. Have. We have to leave time for all the spontaneous frivolity that makes people wonder why we don't charge more for access to the parrot room, there's, which is at patreon.com slash parrot room. There's Mike. I, I claimed I said a, a Bill Crystal sucking up to Ezra Klein. Not unlike you, Bob. Yeah, but there's a difference, though. I'm not going to use that access to start a war, which, of course, is Bill, he, Bill I don't Crystal's think he, main he's gonna purpose. Be, uh, well, look, I, I think he needs sucking. a home. Oh, that reminds me. That reminds he me. He needs a home. That reminds me, there is a way to blame the Ukraine crisis on the resistance, of which he is part, you know, okay. because uh, I'll make this as fast as I can. In the, uh, actually in today's non-zero newsletter, also the Earthling, yes, it's confusing, Mickey. Uh, I'm gonna link to and, and summarize a little of, of this uh, piece by Jack Matlock, longtime diplomat, former ambassador of the Soviet Union, where he lists the various American mistakes that have led to the Ukraine crisis. He's basically, he has my view of this whole thing, certainly right. beginning, he warned against NATO expansion. Um, but one thing he notes is that, you know, uh, during the Trump administration, there was, you know, we were sending more weapons into Ukraine and stuff. And there's just all, all of these presidents, including Obama, including Bush, including Trump, including Clinton, have done these things that pissed Russia off more and more and more. And if you recall, that the stuff that was done during the Trump administration, I don't think it was so much out of Trump's volition. It was that the resistance was so hammering away at the Trump as the, you know, the Russian stooge theme that he was willing to succumb to the blob and do all these anti-Russian things, sanctions, weapons, and so on. So blame, if you want to blame the Ukraine crisis on the resistance, this is as close as you but can. But you could hardly blame them for him. He didn't have to appoint John Bolton. My God. That was, that was. No, that, that was, was actually the Trumpiest above thing. Above and beyond did. what he had to do. That was, that was actually a Trumpy thing. Uh, Bolton appealed to the Trump in Trump. Right. So you can't blame Bill Crystal you know, for Bolton. I don't blame him for that, but I do think a lot of the anti Russian stuff. Um, grew partly out of the amount of pressure Trump was under to prove that he wasn't a Russian stooge. That's that's my conjecture. No, I think some of that. Also that Trump, you know, didn't control his own bureaucracy. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, the, uh, so I have, a, I have a solution for you, Bob. Keep keep the names. Keep the apocalypse aversion and the earthling and the non-zero news, but do an umbrella group. Do an umbrella group, the, the like the Marvel universe of alphabet. comics. Okay? I'm going to call it alphabet. The Bob Wright creative universe. The you BCU. Can, you can okay. elaborate in the parrot room. I'm writing Bob Wright creative universe. And now what I'm going to talk about um, in the parrot room, uh, not that much. I do on the subject of Slate, the the, the un previously untold story about how Slate got started is something I alone can tell you. Mickey, I alone. You don't really? know. You don't. I don't think you know. I don't think you know. Okay. How deeply Bob was involved in the very. Founding, I don't. I didn't know you were involved in the very founding of Slate. My God. It's it's deep. Okay. Um. The. Uh, I want to talk on uh, about Jeff Zucker, and the possibility that his. Uh, there's actually not reason to believe that his demise could usher in a CNN that's better for the world and, and you and I would certainly like better. Actual reason to believe. That, that actually that actually dovetails with discussing Matt Iglesias' piece on slate pitches because okay. I don't and know which, how much which, I don't know how much begins, money they can make. Before Matt's piece, there was the New York Times piece about Slate's demise, and then Matt Matt right, chimed right. in on slate pitches. So uh and then uh Maybe say a little about, could say a little about Walter Dellinger and Todd Gitlin. Uh, Do you know about Walter Dellinger? I, I know very little about a, him. I edited a piece of his yeah. once at the New Republic and interacted with him. And he, uh, 
pushed back on one of my edits. You remember these things. He was a very nice guy with a Southern accent. Did you know? Okay, yeah, he was a very nice guy. Um, okay, did you know about um, a scholar called named Robert Paul Wolf, a political scientist? No. He wrote a great book called The Poverty of Liberalism like a long time ago that I read when I was in college. No. He, he must be in his 80s or 90s, and he's still still was teaching a lecture course with Todd Gitlin. Shocking. Now, Todd Gitlin, I did. Uh, I did. I admire him. I did. Uh, there was a, a dinner seminar I was part of that he was at. Uh, the um, And then I want to say more about this. This I, I'm nearing the end of the trilogy on the Pacific, on the war in the Pacific. And I want to say uh, a couple of things about that. It's a real eye opener, you know, the war in the oh. Pacific. And there's also, um, I also saw a, uh, a phenomenon on campus that I hadn't realized before, which is gender inclusive restrooms. Were you aware of that? Meaning what? They're not just, what do those mean? Would you, not, anybody of any sex yeah. can go in and use the restroom? No, that's the solution, right? The, 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 Oh, I see. But I mean, if it's a large restroom with like okay. 20 people in it, and all no, of a sudden, I was imagining like, the single. Yeah, you know. no, of course, with the single. And, and, and anyway, there's a new wrinkle in it, which I'll get to. New wrinkle, bathroom wrinkle, bathroom wrinkle. Very exciting. Okay, so that's all. Well, no, about 75 to 80 percent of that will be at uh, patriot.com/slash parrot room, including the best part. Um, and that's where we will uh that's where we, we will be next. And and the parrot will now bid you adieu. See you in the parrot creative universe. Oh!